While I was growing up, my church got involved with different approaches to what we usually call evangelism. In the 1970s, the evangelism explosion method led someone like my father and another person from church to do cold calls, knocking on random front doors and flat out asking perfect strangers where their soul would go if they died that very night. This was not always warmly received. In the mid-1980s, my church participated in Alive 85. People were invited to large Billy Graham-style rallies where the gospel would get proclaimed by a powerful preacher. We've all seen different approaches to sharing our faith. But today on Groundwork, we'll wonder about different ways to consider evangelism and who it is that leads us to do this. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And Daryl, this is now the second of four episodes in this four-part series on sharing our faith. And in the first episode, we, we looked at the ascension of Jesus. We also looked at the Great Commission at the very end of that uh, episode from Matthew 28 and some of the different facets uh, of evangelism that the Great Commission revealed. So I can remember, Scott, uh, there were many times when I was sharing my faith. I did learn this evangelism explosion method mm-hmm. that you talked about earlier and just remembering how much nervous tension I had <laughs> in my hands, in my feet, just not knowing what to say, fumbling over my words. But then like, I was reminded that the Holy Spirit is actually here with me, helping me to say what I need to say to testify to the truth. And that is something that really was reminded to the disciples when they heard the Great Commission call from Jesus. One of the things we pointed out is that, yeah, so evangelism explosion, you dedicate uh, a night or two a week and you do cold calls, knock on strangers' doors. That's a focused occasion for evangelism. But we said also that in Matthew 28, when Jesus says, go, therefore, and make disciples, it carried with it the ring of as you are going. And so one of the things we said, Daryl, in the previous episode is that this means we leave our house, we go to work, we go to Panera, uh, we come back to work, we go to soccer games, we go out for dinner with somebody, we post stuff on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. As you go, as you do all that stuff, Jesus says, you keep on witnessing. That's the everyday context for sharing our faith. Now, I know that going to share our faith in the current context of where we are is one of the parts of the call. So there's, you go near and you go far. Mm -hmm. I just got back from a mission trip with some college students to Mississippi where we're helping people who had problems with tornadoes and repairing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not against missions that go away and go far and leave your heart and home. But I know that we're called to not just go far, but we don't need to leapfrog over where we are to say we're doing missions. We can literally do that where we live. There's opportunities everywhere that God gives us. And we talked in the first episode about how the Holy Spirit gets involved in all this. And we want to keep focusing on that in this episode. Slightly different angle on it, though. And for that, we're going to turn to the Gospel of John. And I think, as we've noted, uh, Daryl, on previous Groundwork episodes, the longest single section in the whole Bible that is dedicated to teaching about the person and work of the Holy Spirit is in John's Gospel, in those farewell discourses, as we call them. This is in the upper room on the night in which Jesus is betrayed, and there's huge teaching sections there, including on the Spirit. So let's dig into a few verses here from John 14, where Jesus says at verse 25, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Oh, I love that part that you read, Scott, where it says the Holy Spirit will remind us Mm. of everything Jesus said and taught. I know that we need that. I need that and you need that. It's very important because we could, you know, mess it up if we don't have his power. We try to go on our own. We try to do what we think we need to do. But I love the fact that we have a promise that the Holy Spirit is going to help us. Exactly. We need more often to be reminded than instructed, Samuel Johnson once said. And we said in the previous episode that the Holy Spirit also finally connected the dots correctly for the disciples who still had some wrong ideas even 40 days after Easter when Jesus ascended. So the Holy Spirit will remind us. Now, Today, people might say, well, yeah, they, they had to have that because they didn't have Bibles. I mean, they these guys would write the New Testament eventually. They didn't have it. Now we got Bibles. Okay. But you know what? If you crack open the Bible without the Holy Spirit to remind you and teach you the, the content of that, then they're just words. It's just, it could be any other book. We still need the Holy Spirit to uh, remind us of what Jesus said, even when we're looking stuff up in the Bible. That's true, Scott. And not only does the Holy Spirit remind us, but helps us to arrange it in a way that makes sense to people. So he gives us the verses that we need at the right time. He gives us the context and the wisdom to how to how to use them in a way that is winsome to people. Mm. We can't just get that by picking up the scriptures and reading it to somebody. Say, okay, thou should not kill. Go do something with that. Well, no, we need an understanding. And the Holy Spirit is the one that can connect the dots, like you said. John 15, the next chapter, verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. This is what witnesses do. They testify to something that they have seen, that they have heard, that they have experienced, and that is what we're being called to do. And Jesus is promising that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, is going to give us the ability to do that accurately. But then, Daryl, in John 16, the next chapter, so we look at 14, 15, 16, uh, Jesus says a couple more things. So let's look at it. It starts in verse 7b. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That's why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So now we get a little more content, uh, Daryl, on the work of the Spirit, specifically what he'll do. And as uh, the Bible commentator Frederick Dale Bruner said, Jesus says the Spirit in the world and through us in the world is going to do primarily three things. He's going to tell the world what's wrong, what's right, and who won. He's going to tell the world what's wrong, sin, evil. We hurt each other. We sully the creation, bad. But we don't leave people with bad news. We move to uh, the good news. Here's what's right. Follow Jesus. Here's what makes for delight. Follow God's ways. And finally, who won? Jesus. Jesus won the victory. Jesus has pronounced judgment on sin and death. So 
by the Spirit, we witness to the world what's wrong, what's right, and who won. And we get all of it from the Spirit, Jesus says. It all comes down to the Holy Spirit reminding us uh, what to say to Scott. But we need to also talk about how he would direct us. And in the moment, we're going to think about that as we dig into the New Testament passage that will address this aspect. So stay tuned. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. I'm Scott Jose with Daryl Delaney, and you're listening to Groundwork. And uh, Daryl, in this second episode in the four-part series on sharing our faith, we just said it all comes down to the Holy Spirit. And we focused in the previous segment of this episode on the content, what you say. Jesus says it's going to come from the Father through me by the Spirit. The Trinity is always united in what it does. So the content will come from the Spirit. He'll lead you into all truth. But now we want to think a little bit about how you do it. And this is where a lot of us get intimidated. A lot of us get kind of nervous. We read in the Christian books section of any bookstore. There's a lot of how-to books there. Mm. Um, but then if we could look directly into Scripture, there's a way for us to find out what we need to do and how we need to do it. So let's look at that at First Peter 3 that starts at verse 13. It says, Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So this gets at the how of witness. What's our posture? What's our tone? What's our attitude? And we want to talk about that in just a minute, Daryl. But first, let's just uh, spend just a couple moments reflecting that this is Peter. This is the disciple who was actually named Simon, and Jesus eventually gave him the nickname of Petrus, the rock, rocky, if you want, right? Uh, So Peter was the rock, uh, and he was a rock-solid guy and so forth. But the other thing we find out about Peter from all four of the Gospels is that Peter was also the brash one, uh, the one who rushed in where angels feared to tread. He, He could even be borderline rude sometimes, but he was always there with, with great passion and, and great zeal. And, and we see that again and again. There are lots of examples of it in the Gospels. So Peter is always the one who keeps his feelings on his sleeve. <laughs> you never have to guess or wonder what Peter is thinking. He's going to tell you. And sometimes he'll say things that don't make much sense. But then Peter is the first one to jump in. He's the one initiator. He, he kind of is a spokesperson for the other 12. So you never have to guess. Sometimes his words are really sharp. Sometimes they're really brash, but it's exactly where he is and he's authentic in how he expresses himself. Exactly. Jesus says he has to suffer and die. Peter pulls him aside and say, nope, 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 you can't do that. And then get behind me, Satan. So that wasn't such a good idea. Peter's the one who literally, you said he was the first to jump in. Jesus walks on water, 12 disciples in the boat. Peter's the only one who says, me too. You know, so he jumps up out of the boat, walks on water, 
but only briefly. Uh, Peter's the one who pulled the sword in Gethsemane and lopped off the ear of, of one of the people there who came to arrest Jesus. Always, always, always so confident until he denies Jesus three times. Right. And Peter the Rock ends up with feet of clay on that occasion. And it seems to have chastised him. Now he ha- he's speaking a little bit of a different tone in those verses you just read, Daryl, from 1 Peter 3. We see a different Peter here. We mm. see a, a more mature Peter. We see a learned Peter who's understood through trials that there's a way to witness into his faith. He's not the brash guy anymore. He's mm. not the one cutting ears off anymore. Mm. He says that when you are persecuted, you share your faith and defend the hope that is within you. Do it with gentleness and do it politely with respect. Now, this thing is something that we haven't seen Peter in his young days Hmm. act with that kind of character. So he's actually learned something, and it's really powerful to see how he's saying, this is the way you need to do it now. You need to do it in a gentle way. Yeah. The theologian Richard Mao, who was a longtime president of Fuller Theological Seminary, he has written a lot about this. It's what he calls convicted civility. We are right to be passionate about Jesus. We are right to be passionate about the gospel. We are right to be passionate about the truth and wanting to get the truth across to people. But you do it politely, as you just said, Daryl, gentleness and respect. And why is that so important? Well, because the message and the messenger should match. And if Jesus is the center of the message, and if Jesus is the gentle, lowly, and humble one, then if we come across as brash and rude and angry in our witness, we don't look like Jesus anymore. So who can believe the content, the what of our evangelism, if the how betrays Jesus and his character? I've noticed that sometimes we've allowed the world to influence how we do that because mm. a salesman's mentality is coming. You got to be aggressive. You got to close the deal. You got to make it happen. But I've also seen in scripture where Jesus never interrupted anyone. Mm. Isn't it interesting how even if they are blatantly wrong, he will wait until they finish their thought and then he'll say, hey, you're wrong about that. He doesn't cut people off. He doesn't interrupt anyone. And this is the gentleness and the polite respect that we're supposed to show as believers because it actually adds value to our message that we're testifying about. And you just said, uh, Daryl, that sometimes we let the ways of the world influence us too much. And certainly we see that in recent years. It started a little bit with email, where when you were writing somebody a message in the moment, it would arrive quicker even than a letter. You would say things in an email you would never say if you were actually sitting across the table having a cup of coffee with this person. Right. And sometimes we regret the emails we send. But It's gotten worse than just email with the arrival of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and some of these social media platforms where people are, well, I've seen it, you've seen it. um, I've probably been guilty of it myself. People are just downright rude. uh, They're hostile. uh, They call names. uh, They throw people under the bus in ways that, again, in person, most of them, though maybe not all, would never do. We're influenced by this, and I think it does leak into how the church witnesses. There's a lot of angry sermons. There's a lot of angry people, you know, confronting other people, um, even about the faith. That's really disappointing at some points because I know I've been guilty of that as well. But, I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, goodness, Mm -hmm. gentleness. You know, and those are the things that we need to exercise, even though we're passionate about what we're saying. There's a modicum of respect that I should give to you and you should give to me. That would actually be helpful to the witness. 
But as we uh, prepare, Scott, to wrap up this episode, we need to consider one more facet of sharing our faith, and we're going to do that in just a moment. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And we're going to wrap up now the second program of four on various aspects of sharing our faith. And Daryl, let's just dig right back into Scripture to get some familiar words from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5. Starting at verse 13, it reads, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Familiar words that remind us of another familiar phrase from St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. A bit of an exaggeration there, uh, Daryl. Obviously, we need words. But what St. Francis is saying and what Jesus is saying is that our walk and our talk had better match. And we want to be, as we just said from 1 Peter 3, with convicted civility, we want our witness itself to be transparent, not only to what Jesus said, but how Jesus himself would say it, which would be humbly and gently. And so that's what is being said here. And what's interesting, everybody knows this, you know, you are the light of the world image from what you just read from Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount. But often what we take away from that is to say, oh, I am the light. I am the light. But that's really not Jesus' main focus. His main focus is let the light shine so people can see what you do. They, they need to be able to see your good deeds in the full light of day. And those deeds had better look like Jesus. So I love what you said there, Scott. Basically, our testimony is upheld by our integrity. Mm. And if we're walking the way we walk and we talk the way we talk and we live the way we live, if they're matching, then our testimony is that much more powerful. We've often heard people say, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Mm. And if we make sure that we do it in the way that Christ did it, it will be awesome to see what God does with that. But also, when you turn a light on, you don't look into the light. You actually look to where the light is shining so that wherever it's illuminated, that's what you're supposed to see. So when our lights are shining, it's not about us shining. It's about what we're pointing to and what we're showing people about our father who give us the ability to turn our lights on in the first place. They say sunshine is the best disinfectant, right? Uh, when you do your deeds in the light of day, all can see them, and and hopefully they are deeds that you can be proud of. And again, in our case, in sharing our faith, deeds that point to Jesus. We're not supposed to be showboats. We're not showing off. We're not just calling attention to ourselves. We're just living our lives, and hopefully when we live our lives in the light that shines from the gospel, the walk and the talk match. And they need to, Daryl, because there is nothing. 
that undercuts sharing our faith and the witness of the gospel faster than hypocrisy. Exactly. When the church is clearly guilty of hypocrisy, it's game over for a lot of people. Hey, Lord, forgive us for that because there have been a couple of times where we dropped the ball on this witnessing thing. And we don't understand that it's not about us drawing attention to ourselves. Right. It is about us doing the best we can to make sure that everything we do points back to God. And if we're not displaying the character that God taught us to display, then we undercut our very words. So the words become empty. A hypocrite in, in ancient Greek was it's kind of the word for an actor mm-hmm. because Greeks, uh, they would wear masks because no women were allowed to be actors. So men would play women and they would wear a, a female looking mask. So uh, a hypocrite was somebody who wore a false front. Yeah. Right. And when we get caught wearing a false front today as disciples, as witnesses, again, uh, our words, as you just said, Daryl, they become empty, vain. And a lot of the world is just waiting to see that to pounce, say, ah, ha, 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 ha. You see those Christians there, they, they think they're so superior, but they're no different. But we are supposed to be, as Paul writes in the New Testament, we're supposed to be a new creation after we get baptized. You are a new creation. You are supposed to be kind of like a preview of coming attractions for the kingdom of God and for the new creation that will come after Jesus comes again. And so hopefully how we treat our neighbors, how we treat the clerk at the grocery store or the bagger or the server at the restaurant or the flight attendant or how we raise our children, how we spend our money, it all should be previews of the patterns of the new creation. The patterns of the new creation and the inauguration of the kingdom that Mm. Jesus said is here. In the kingdom, there's no interruptions. There's no stepping over people. There's no, hey, look at me. Mm. There is a humble servant attitude that says, I'm considering your interests as well as my own, and I'm putting your life before mine. I'm laying my life down. That's the attitude that we're supposed to have in the new humanity. But we also know that we're not saved by those deeds or those works at all. And many of us uh, remember these special words from Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 it says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do so this is the balance beam of the Christian life that we've talked about Daryl on lots of different groundwork episodes we're not saved by what we do but once we're saved what we do changes and matters, right? Uh, So in one sense, before salvation, pay no attention to your deeds. After salvation, pay very close attention to your deeds because they're supposed to come out of grace. And therefore, you are saved by grace, so now you are supposed to be gracious, right? And you've been saved by the big capital G grace. Let your life drip with little small g gracelets. It's the same word for charism, you know, your gifts, your abilities, the charismatic uh, presence of the Spirit, That's exactly what you need to do because, again, when those things don't work together, sharing our faith becomes a dead letter. We're dead in the water. When they go together, by itself, that may not convince people, but we have a much, much better chance to convince people that Jesus loves them and they should love Jesus if we show that we love them. Even if they haven't believed yet or even if they're cynical or they're kind of resisting our message, if we can show, hey, I love you anyway, and I'm going to love you no matter what you make of my witness here. That's going to soften hearts. 
what we need is to make sure that our integrity and character will mm. uphold the testimony. And that comes out of gratitude for what you remember Christ has done for you in the grace he's shown. And so you get to actually share that good message with everybody. And so we continue to encourage one another in good deeds. And it's really powerful to see God doing that work in our lives and we can share it with people. Exactly, because when that happens, then the Holy Spirit, uh, who we talked about earlier in this episode and the previous episode, the Spirit rushes in and brings vibrant faith to more and more people. And that is a wonderful prospect for all of us who participate in sharing our faith in word and deed. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we study Pentecost, another significant event in the early Christian church that helps us better understand how God helps us even as he calls us to share our faith. Connect with us now at GroundworkOnline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or to tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit the website, reframeministries.org, for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.